Michelle Fiore is a reporter with Fox 32 TV in Chicago, and I first asked her about working there. Then I talked to her about her radio and TV career in Illinois and Wisconsin. This current time around, I started in January of last year, so about a little under a year and a half. But I had been there before a couple times, actually. Um, I was there in 2017 just for a little bit, for like three months as a reporter. And then, crazy enough, it was like one of my first jobs out of college. I worked there when I was like 22 years old um, on the assignment desk as just like an assistant, like a desk assistant. What's a desk assistant? Like for people who don't know, who are more radio mm. oriented. So a desk assistant, basically what I did was back in the day when they had um, uh, printers, we would print the entire newscast and waste a whole lot of trees by doing it because both co-anchors got their own copy of the entire newscast on paper. So we would print everything out and then we would shuffle it all in order and make sure that the anchors had their copies. Um, we would also do miscellaneous things like bring coffee to the anchors. Um, we would make beat calls to all the police stations and fire departments and see if anything had happened that was interesting. And I think the most eye-opening thing for me as a desk assistant was one day I had called and found out that there had been a fatal fire up in Antioch. And uh, so I went back to the main assignment editor and said, ooh, ooh, I got something, I got something. There was a fatal fire up in Antioch. And she said, Antioch, hmm, well, it's an hour drive. When was the fire? I said, last night. She goes, hmm, okay, well, we're not going to have any video of it. How old was the victim? I said, 90. Hmm, elderly? Nah, I don't think so. I was like, so we're not doing anything with this? And she said, no. Well, one, there's no video of the fire, so forget that. Two, the, the victim wasn't like, you know, a, a three-month-old. Um, so we're not going to use it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so that's when I realized that you have to pick and choose your stories in Chicago because it's just such a big market and there's so much going on that they can't cover everything. And it, has it changed over the years from that perspective? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I, again, it's just a gigantic city and the suburbs and there's so many people and so many things that you are getting thrown at you on a daily basis. You have to really pick and choose what you think your audience wants to hear about. And so things like a fatal fire way up in Antioch uh, don't affect everybody. You don't affect, you know, probably affect only a small portion of your viewing audience is going to think about that after the day is done. Well, since that time, since you first got into TV, how has it changed? How has the business changed over the years? Um, hmm. So I mostly did radio for my entire career. Um, I don't know, so I can't really answer that about TV. I will say just that journalism in general um, has definitely changed over the years. I think that we are covering more um, sensational stories, unfortunately, these days than ever before because there's so much social media out there. People are tending to you know, look at things like Twitter to see what's going on, that if we're not staying on top of Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram, and we're missing stories that people are talking about and caring about. And so consequently, we're covering stories that may be more, you know, in the past would have only been covered by a TV magazine type of show. 
we're now doing them, you know, on the nine o'clock news. Well, you mentioned uh, radio because I, maybe because you're on TV right now and I've seen you on TV before. I think of you as a TV reporter, but what did you do in radio? So uh, I've been, yeah, I mean, I've been both a reporter and an anchor. My first job out of college was at a radio station in Decatur, Illinois. And so I covered school board meetings and city council meetings and, um, you know, things that I don't think that we do. And well, we definitely don't do in the big city unless there's a reason why we should be there. Um, you're not doing it on a daily basis. And maybe they're still doing that down in, you know, places like Decatur, Illinois, where your, your reporter is still going to those meetings at night. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I know that that's where we generated a lot of stories for, you know, our people that listened and, and cared about those stories. Um, and so, yeah, that's all. That's all I know. I know that, again, unless there's something big going on that we're not going to, you know, your, your weekly meetings like that. But after Decatur, um, where did you work? So um, I bounced around quite a bit just through Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, and I consider myself lucky that I didn't go too far away. I, I always kind of had my home base here, my family's here. I didn't really want to leave Chicago at all, knowing though that you, you know, if you want to really get someplace far that you need to get the experience and you need to go away and learn, you know, from other people. So, but from Decatur, um, let's see, I came back home and I worked for Metro Networks, which uh, went through a whole bunch of name changes after that. And I, you know, shadow and uh, the traffic and uh, total traffic. Um, when I was there, we were doing news. They're, they mostly are a traffic um, entity, but they had a small division for news people. And so that's what I did. I did a little bit of news for Metro Networks. And through them, I started working for WMAQ Radio, which folded, as you know, probably a year later. I was doing weekend overnight anchoring with Julie Mann. That's where I first met Julie. She's now the news director at BBM Radio and does an excellent job over there. And um, we did weekend overnight anchoring together. So that was fun. That was a million years ago. And then I left there because I really wanted to do TV. I kind of always wanted to do TV news, but again, wasn't willing to leave my home base. I don't want to go too far away. Um, and so I got a weekend assignment editor position up at CBS 58 in Milwaukee and worked there uh, on the weekends while I was still in Chicago at Metro Networks. So that was pretty hectic because I was working like seven days a week between the two cities and do jobs. And I did that for a while until they had uh, a reporter on the weekends while I was there on the desk in Milwaukee who called in sick and they couldn't find anybody to come in. And I was like, well, I'll do it. Like I've got reporter experience. Let me go out and try it. And I had, you know, you always need that person who says yes to you when you're knocking on the door. And I fortunately had a news director who was willing to let me go out that day. And so I went out and I guess I did okay because then somehow I talked myself into a position where I was doing three days a week of reporting and two days a weekend uh, on the weekend desk still. And that worked out really well because then once I got that, uh, then I left Metro Networks in Chicago and I just had one job, which was awesome. And um, I had my two days a week free, which felt like amazing. 
And so I did that for a little while. Um, and at some point I had a baby and decided I was going to leave the business completely and just be a stay at home mom. And so I quit my job, which was really hard to think about, but, um, but did it. And that worked out for a little while until I decided I needed to go back and uh, I got the itch again, I guess. Packed up and moved down to Springfield and I worked at WAND TV and did that for a little while. And uh, I was at the Bureau in Springfield. And that was really fun because I'd never done politics um, a whole lot. And so that was just, uh, I, I didn't know how much I was going to like it, but I absolutely loved it. I loved being around it all and learning the behind the scenes stuff and you know, being around amazing people like um, Jesse White, who's been there for so long, and he's just such a sweetie um, and so good at his job. And so we, you know, I just, I, I loved being around the atmosphere. It was a great place to be. Um, and then I moved back to Chicago and started working part-time at um, BBM Radio and also at CLTV. So I went back to the whole working two jobs again, um, but both of them were part-time. So I wasn't working seven days a week. I was between the two, honestly, probably working only four days a week at that point. And let's see, after CLTV, I left there. And then I just was solely at BBM Radio for at least a dozen years um, freelancing. And... And then I got the TV bug again and decided to figure out how I was going to get back into TV. And I was applying for jobs in Chicago, and it was really hard just to get anybody to say that they would give me an interview because I'd been away from TV at that point for like a dozen years. And they were like, well, well, I don't know if you can do TV anymore. And I'm like, oh, I can totally do TV. I did it in Milwaukee. I did it in Springfield. Like, you know, I can do TV still. And they're like, eh, we really want someone who's currently working in TV. That was the response I was always getting and so I was like well somehow I got to figure out how to do TV again and so fortunately um, I went back up to Milwaukee um, and I took a part-time job at TMJ radio because um, I couldn't find anything in TV up in Milwaukee either but I knew that TMJ radio was in the same building as TMJ TV and so that's what I did um, I took TMJ radio knowing that I'm kind of okay at making friends, and um, and that's what I did. I just kind of walked around the building a whole lot and talked to people and and sort of made myself part of the wallpaper, so to speak. And uh, ultimately, uh, a couple jobs opened up for a reporter, and I got one of them. And so I spent three years at TMJ TV, and then came back to Chicago and went to Fox and. Uh, and to BBM radio because Fox was only a temporary thing. And now I'm back at Fox. <laughs> so that's a lot. I think I'm out of breath. <laughs> that sounds like an incredible journey. I mean, how did yeah. you, how did you get all those jobs like one after another? Because you said, you know, you're good at making friends. Is that the key to getting these jobs? I mean, yes. And, and you also, in addition to, you know, making friends and, and making people like you, you, I mean, you, you need to, be able to do the job too. So I think I ultimately was able to prove through my resumes, through you know my tapes and things that I had put together that they could see that I could do the job and that I was a team player. And so I think that ultimately was what 
has earned me, you know, my stepping stone. So is being a team player, is that um, key to working well in TV or radio? I think it really especially helps in TV um, because there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen in TV. You are working side by side with a partner all day long for eight hours. And in addition to that, your scripts are going through approvals. Um, there's a chain of command. There's a producer who's looking over your stuff. There's an executive producer who's looking over your stuff. Sometimes when it's super controversial, the news director will also have his or her eyes on it too. And so, yeah, there's a lot of steps that are taken with other people that you, you really do need to be a good team player, so to speak, to, you know, show that you are willing to work with people. In radio, as you know, it's just, it's a faster process. So you're out there and that's, a wonder of radio is that you can go out there and you can bam, bam, get your stuff together and put it on the air so that people know immediately what's happening. And in TV, you're waiting for a newscast. So um, there's definitely more people that you are in the newsroom dealing one-on-one -on -one with on, on the daily in TV than in radio. Well, how has social media changed that? Because I noticed that some people will go up, like recently somebody um, took a video of what was going on in Wisconsin and they posted up on social media and that was the end of that. They didn't wait for the newscast. Yeah, they like when you do that too. Um, and the reason that TV news directors are liking that is because um, their feeling is that when you're posting it up on social media, it's driving people to watch the newscast. So if somebody's seeing just a quick, you know, something from you, a quick blip, a picture, a video from where you're at, they're going to want to know more. And so, you know, they'll tune in later to see the rest of the story. Well, I don't work in TV. I never have. So how do you literally put together a TV story? I know they're like a couple minutes. How do you do that? It's so fun, Margaret. I really love it. Um, you, you know, I, I guess it varies on what the day, but let's just say you're going out, um, on an assignment and you know you you have your you have your interview already lined up you're driving there with your photographer you get out there um if you have a little extra time you're you know make the photographers maybe you know setting the scene and positioning your interviewee in a, in a nice light uh like literal light <laughs> put lights on them and things and make them look uh great um and you do your interview, you find out all the, all the details, maybe on the drive there, you were doing some research online to see what, you know, you need to know about the story that you're going to be covering and what you should be asking the person. And so you have an idea of mind of what you want to know about it. And, and then for me, I don't prep questions. I just like to have a conversation with somebody. And so just as I'm talking to somebody, I'm a naturally curious person to begin with. And so I just find myself wanting to learn more and more and more as we're talking, uh, like a normal conversation. And so that's kind of how I operate. And then after the interview's over, um, the photographer will take the piece that you just did and he, he feeds it, is what they call it, feeds it into the system. And then I can watch it on my laptop, whatever he's fed into the system we're all kind of tied into a network and so I can watch it and, and listen to what my interview just was. And, and then they call it pulling sound. So I'll pull sound. Um, I'll write down the time codes, the so different times 
uh, on the screen when they say whatever it is that I want them to say in my story and just kind of form a story around it. You, you know, you're writing to the video that you know you have um, and then you're inserting sound bites and when you're done with everything, then you're what they call tracking your voice and you're putting the voice uh, on tape basically. And then your photographer or your editor will take your voice and take the sound bites and put it all together and there's your story and that's what's seen on the nine o'clock news. How do you, um, how, who decides how it's edited? Um, I mean, as a reporter, you have ultimate say in how the piece comes out. But you want to give your photographer or your editor creative liberties. So, you know, I mean, I know these guys now. I've worked with them for a year and a half. I trust their judgment. And typically, I'll just kind of let them go with, with it however they want to, uh, with a script, obviously, in mind of, you know, how I've written it. But from the script, you know, they can deviate a little bit here and there. And, and then I like to look it all over when they're done editing and just make sure it's exactly how, you know, I want it to be shown later. And then, and then we'll talk about this here, or can you take this out? And then we just have a little quick conversation and they boom, boom, and, and that's it. Now, why do you, you said it was very fun. What makes it so fun? I just really like the end of the day when I can see the final product and when like it came out really well it, that all the elements are there you've got the visual the audio and you've got some emotion in your story from your people that you talk to um these days like there's a lot of you know video elements from social media that we're pulling from you might grab a video that you know somebody was on the scene of something and you're putting that in there so it really to me makes me feel as a viewer that i'm there and as a reporter, that's what I want to do every day is I want to bring my audience into my story because they couldn't be there themselves, but they're interested in it. And so here, you sit down and you can watch the news and you can feel as though you've been there. So then I know that I've done my job for the day. And um, how do people check their sources, like whether it's from video, like, so if, if you're not, if your people are not shooting it directly and you're bringing something else in, how are you guys checking that? And also, how are you checking the people you're talking to to make sure they're connected to the story? So a lot of that is management um, of my pay level. <laughs> I'm not sure how they check that, but we have, you know, many times we, I've, every station I've worked at, I think, has gone through checks and balances on people that we've talked to to make sure that they're legit, the story's legit, the video they're sending us is legit. Um, these days we're crediting whatever video comes to us from somebody else, you know, their name's going to appear right on the screen. So I think that's a deterrent if they were going to be lying about something. But I won't say I haven't been lied to in the past because I have. And the first time that happened to me just made me go, what? Really? Why would you lie about that? So, you know, it, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. And you're right, you definitely have to check people out because you just don't know if it's all... For, for real. You're listening to the Radio Girl Podcast with Margaret Larkin. And thanks to Jeff Davis, who's at jeffdavis.com. And he's also started a YouTube channel that you should check out. Anyway, I talked to Michelle when she was driving, so that's why she's talking on her phone. 
Yeah, you, you worked in um, smaller markets and then now you're working in market number three. So how do you figure out, how can you tell what a good story is? It doesn't matter on the uh, market side. That's a great question. I think, um, I don't know, I think it comes with time. Um, I don't know how to answer that, you know? Um, you kind of just get a sense for one, I think you have to know your market. Like I grew up in Chicago and I'm not going to say I'm an expert on Chicago just because I grew up here because um, people who've come from, you know, other cities do an excellent job covering the city of Chicago. I think maybe it just comes from knowing people. Um, and yeah, I'm learning, learning what people enjoy in your market, what drives them. You know, if I go up to, uh, try to think of the names of a small market, um, Minocqua, Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a market actually. I know it's a small town in Wisconsin. If I go up there, you know, and I'm covering a story, I want to be sensitive to how they will be watching it later and what, what will be interesting to them, what questions would they want me to ask, you know, the questions that they would ask up in Wisconsin in a small town might be very different than the questions that people in a big city like Chicago or New York would care about. And so really it's just learning what people, where you're, where you're at, what they like, what they want. And then do you have to go, do you have, do you have to check it with an editor? How does that work? I get my stories assigned to me. Like I can, um, I can suggest the stories and they love it when you come in with story ideas, but I don't assign myself my stories. So I'll come in, I'll pitch something, but then ultimately it's the news director and assistant news director and executive producer who, you know, and maybe okay. so these are the stories of the day and have to go. So they lay it all out for you. First of all, I love Wisconsin, or I love uh, I love Milwaukee. I haven't been all over Wisconsin, but my gosh, I'm a huge fan of Milwaukee. What is it like to yeah, work in Milwaukee? Yeah. Oh, it was great. Uh, Milwaukee is like a mini Chicago. I loved it. It, um, you know, it has again all the elements of Chicago, only in a in a smaller portion. You know, um, story assignments. We got some great story assignments, but it's a uh, it's a great place, and I made a lot of friends. Again, great city for news. What, what's it like? Because it's a smaller market, so are people more open to talking to the media, or what's, mm -mm. what's that like? <laughs> no. Typically, they're less, surprisingly, typically, they're less likely to want to talk. Uh, at least that's what I found. I mean, it's not everywhere. There were, there were obviously people who um, have been fine in the Chicago market. If you go typically to, like, a, a smaller town um, where everybody knows everybody, you know, they don't really want everybody to know their business kind of thing. And you can't blame them on that, but that's, you know, what I usually find. And because the Milwaukee market has more smaller towns, I would say, than the Chicago market, I found it more frequently up there that I would go someplace like and cover a fatal fire and nobody <laughs> will talk to me on camera afterwards about, you know, well, hey, did you see it? Did you, did you know the family? You know, what can you tell us about what happened out here? Um, it was like difficult sometimes with, with that. So how, do you, so how do you work around that? I mean, you, you get your story. You may not get the story that you are 
really seeking and going after. I mean, ultimately, you want to get the people who are closest to the story to tell you the story because they know the most details and facts about the story. But, you know, you only at the end of the day have so much time to put it together. And so you may have to go to a neighbor, you may have to go to somebody who went to school with somebody, you know, you may have to find through social media, um, a distant friend. So, um, and there is a lot of research that we do these days on social media. And honestly, like social media has been very beneficial to us in the news business because we're able to use it to help us tell our story and find people who can help us with our story. So it's been great. Have you ever had anybody say, I want to participate in your story, you get, you know, approval and everything. And then they say, oh my gosh, I don't want to be part of your story. Can you please remove me? Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, happened to me. And the, the worst, I've had little things like that happen. Um, the worst was um, in a different market that I worked at. And he was, he was the guy, like he was the suspect in, in this huge case, this huge trial. And I got him to agree to do a one-on-one -on -one exclusive interview with me. And then after he did the interview, he was like, eh, I don't think I should have done that. Um, can we just not? And I was like, I mean, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with that. But then I went back to my news director who was like, uh-uh, no, I'm not okay with that. And I was like, Ugh. like I gave him my word that we wouldn't do it. So that was kind of difficult because um, we kind of went back and forth on that for a little bit. So yes, it definitely happens where, you know, people change their mind after the fact. And I'm such a softy that I'm like, oh, okay, all right. You know, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Um, but sometimes, you know, you have to push through and, and go with it. So, yeah. Well, in terms of, you know, you said you worked in radio before. I already know how radio operates, but for you as a reporter and anchor, um, how do you create a good radio story versus how do you create a good TV story? Obviously, they're mm -hmm. different. They use different stuff. Mm -hmm. I love doing radio stories that have a lot of gnat sound. Um, so, and for people who are listening and don't know what that is, um, it's short for natural sound. And so, you know, when there was that march on the Dan Ryan Expressway where the protesters shut it down, I will go out with my microphone and stand in the middle of a crowd so that I can just hear the people around me and what's being said. And so I, I take that sound and I put it um, in my story and I, and I have it in the background so it feels like you're right there. Like you're listening to it. You're hearing them. You're hearing the chants. And I just think it sounds so cool and full and, you know, again, like making you feel like you're right there. So I love putting together radio stories because you can, I, I love to edit. Like it, that's kind of a passion of mine too. I, I might like to be in front of the camera, but I think I equally like to be behind the camera too, or so to speak, editing everything like that. I just think it's very creative and fun. And so when I did radio, um, you are allowed to, or you're allowed to, you're supposed to <laughs> do your own editing. And I really enjoyed that aspect of radio because um, I would use multi-track. And so I would have a bunch of different sounds 
you know, in the background. So you'd hear the chants or you'd hear the, you know, whatever, um, maybe birds chirping. I don't know, whatever. You would, you would have a lot of different layers of sound that you're listening to. So anyway, radio is cool. Um, TV, what was the question? Just how to put together the TV story? Yeah, because I mean, I, I know how to video, I've just never worked in TV, but I know how to do, you know, video editing and so forth. But obviously TV, you can just like show pictures that tell a thousand words. So how do you put it, what's, how do you put it together a story for TV versus radio? Like you said, radio's an ad sound, but then how's mm -hmm. TV different? So TV, um, I learned from a really good executive producer that you want to capture your audience's intention right away. And so what we like to do is think about, you know, as you're about to put it together, what's your most compelling element of your story? Is it, is it a, a video that somebody shared with you? Is it a picture of a victim? Is it, you know, a giant fire and the flames shooting out of the roof? You know, what's your most important thing? Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's the interview. Maybe it's um, a tearful interview with the mom who just lost her child. So you think about what's the most important thing. You want to quit that up right off the bat and, um, and then just kind of go from there. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's working a lot of different things in there's, you can use that sound in TV too, which is fun. Um, depending how much time I guess you have to play with it and edit. Um, a lot of times I do now is I do morning show stuff. And so I've got a lot of live shots, so I don't get a lot of time to edit. Um, but if I had a lot of time to edit, I think I would put a lot of fun little snap pops in. How do you like being a reporter versus an anchor? Well, so I can't really say for anchoring for TV. Um, for radio, I can tell you both. Um, I like them both equally. And that's because I enjoy mixing up my days. You know, um, I don't think I would like to do one thing solely over the other. So I'd like, you know, my perfect world would probably be three or four days a week of anchoring and uh, two or three days a week of reporting, you know, a little bit of each. So I like the reporting because you're getting out, you're getting face-to-face -face time with the people whose story you're telling. And I think that's really important to tell a good story is that you need to really meet these people face-to-face -face and see what is, it is that they've got to tell you and they're going through and people tend to share more when you're standing, you know, right there with them um, versus you're on the phone. Um, so that's great. Anchoring is great because you have a very good knowledge of everything going on. I mean, use your hand on national news, international news, sports, weather, traffic. You've got, you've got it all. And so that's fun too, to know everything. I mean, in reporting, you're just focused on one story, but in, in anchoring, you have it all. So I really like that too. I like to know what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah, I've seen you a lot of times. Um, you've been reporting the entire time during the Chicago lockdown. How the heck have you been able to report during this virus situation? It's been a learning curve. Um, we've, we've done a lot with Zoom. Um, I had no idea what Zoom was when we first started. Um, and now I'm, you know, like you are, I think right now, recording on it. And, and you know, I, after I record my interviews on Zoom, I'm, sometimes I'm having to teach people how to use, use it on their phones or um, I, whatever, like um, transferring the videos into our system and so that all the editors can find it. it, it again, it's been a giant learning curve. Um, so we're doing a lot with Zoom. 
Um, I will say this, I want to do a shout out to Fox 32 because they've been absolutely amazing with all of the crews. They have been so conscientious about keeping us safe and healthy that I can't say enough about how they've just handled the whole situation. Um, I mean, almost from the start, they recognized how serious of a situation this was and said, um, well, we can't have you guys together anymore. So photographers and reporters are going to have to be in separate cars. And if we need to rent cars for reporters, um, because the photographers already, you know, have their own cars or take own cars, um, we'll rent cars for the reporters. And so they did that way back in March. Um, so I've been in a rental car ever since. And right away they gave us PPE. They're constantly asking us if everything's, you know, going okay and smoothly in the field. Um, so, you I mean, it's just, it's a lot of Zoom. It's, they bought us these giant six foot poles that we put the microphone, we attach the microphone to the end of the pole so that we don't have to, you know, get too close to people anymore, um, which is great and helpful. So again, everything was, it's been stressed on keeping us safe and healthy. Um, they also don't, they also have separated us from the rest of the newsroom. So there's very few people who actually go into the newsroom anymore, like, uh, anchors and maybe a director or a producer or two, but for the most part, they're keeping even, you know, other people who are behind the scenes, they're having them work from home these days and gave everybody laptops to work from home. Um, just trying to keep everybody safe and healthy. Yeah, they, they sound like a wonderful employer from everything you've described. Because not, not just because not all companies have been so careful. Okay. Yeah, I realize that. And that's, I think, why I so appreciate what they've done for us. And then always meetings. Like we had another meeting yesterday and they just, management's on the meeting and they just want to check in and say, hey, how are you guys doing with all this? Is everything okay? Is there anything more we can do to support you? Well, in case, you know, if people want to get into TV, because, you know, obviously we've heard about some layoffs, okay, not just here, but in other parts of the country, but if people do want to get into TV, what kind of advice do you have? Um, I would say, you know, go to college, get your degree in broadcast journalism. It's a lot of writing, um, and that's what you need. And when you come out, um, you know, I mean, you can go one of two ways. I think the easier path might be actually, if you're willing to do it, is to be willing to move anywhere in the country and realize, you know, that it's not forever. Um, you may be in one market for a year and you may leave there and go someplace else for another year. And ultimately, you know, your goal is to get to wherever it is that you, you know, really want to be, but don't think it's forever. Um, and have a good time with it. You know, the smaller markets have younger people in them. And so you'll make a lot of great friends along the way and, and you'll keep them for a long, long time because, you know, you're all in it together and um, it can be a lot of fun. It can be just an absolute journey. And um, so I would say that would be my best advice is to be willing to move anywhere and be just cognizant that when you do go, that it's not going to be forever and you will ultimately get to where you want to be if you are just very passionate about what you do and people will see that and like you and you will continue to move up. You mentioned writing. Um, what do you think makes good writing? I think just really throwing yourself into your story, learning as much as you can before you get to 
whichever, whoever you're going to be talking to. And then after learning as much as you can, and then just really throwing yourself into it. Um, and just really, you know, really caring about your story. But did you know that, how did you, be, you yourself become a better writer? Because obviously not everybody can start out that way. Probably just doing it. <laughs> Probably just doing it and, and working with very talented producers along the way. Um, you know, in TV, you are, you have somebody looking over your stuff every day. And, and many places I went, they were rewriting my stuff. Um, and that was helpful. Yeah, so, so, some, people, some people don't like it when people rewrite their stuff. It's almost like, yeah. it's mine, how dare you touch it? So how do you let go of that <laughs> ego aspect? Yeah, I, you just have to, you, you just have to. And, they, and maybe just having it done every day, you just, after a while you go, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, so, but no, once you, have done it for a long, long time. You know, I, I don't really get edited anymore. I, you know, um, I did for a long, long time though. And, and at this point I really don't now. So, um, no, it's not, again, no, that that's not forever either. <laughs> yeah, and all, in all of your years of experience, um, are there any stories that you covered that stand out that were notable and special to you? Notable was the Milwaukee riots. Um, one of the scariest moments of my life was when people were setting fire to uh, a gas station and a squad car right by me um, and threatening the mall in town. It was terrifying and something I will never forget. But I mean, my, my photographer was amazing that night. Um, we worked together and I felt like he had my back. I hope he felt like I had his back and we got through it and um, brought the news to people who really wanted to know what was going on in the city. I mean, everybody that I know was glued to their TVs that night. And we were the ones out there and trying to do as best of a job as we could. This is something that may be harder to um, answer, but okay, so, well, I think everybody should see you because um, you have a very, very good TV presence, okay? Now, I know that's like, people think, well, who cares? But how <laughs> do you work with a camera to put yourself across so successfully? In my opinion, people may disagree, but I think you're really good. Oh, thank you. How do you what? How do you go on camera? Yeah, how do you how do you know that? How do you know how to communicate with the camera? You're not talking to human beings. You're only talking to somebody behind a camera. So how do you? What are you thinking when you go on camera to make it so appealing and effective? Um, I like to picture my mom <laughs> standing on the other side of the camera. Um, so yeah. I don't know what other people picture, you know, she, when I think about her, brings a smile to my face. Um, obviously I can't smile when I'm doing a story about somebody tragically dying. Um, but um, when it's a happy story, um, I tend to think of her face and, and that makes me smile. Um, other times, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm not really thinking that, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm trying, I'm probably more so trying to not think about anybody out there watching me. Um, um, because, you know, if you think about like, I don't think I would do good in a large crowd, like a big auditorium. I'm not that kind of speaker. So for me, it's okay to be just with the camera, especially for like, you know, the sad stories or whatever. But yeah, if I need a smile though, I think about her face. 
but in the early days, because you know, you know how you see people's reels from early on and they seem really stiff or something. So how do you get over that stiffness over the years? I'm sure your early reels were not the most incredible thing. Oh, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just time. I think it's just time. Yeah, just doing it over and over. Let me know what you think. Email me at margaret at radiogirl.us. You can also call or text me at 716-202-TALK. That's 8255. And like the Radio Girl Facebook page. You can find out about who's coming up next, see pictures, listen to audio, and more.